Welcome back to another episode of Square State Sandlot. I am your host, Bill Montoya. Joining me again is Raph. Uh, we've got quite a bit to talk about, especially with Week 18 wrapping up, and then now we know who the playoff uh, matchups are going to be, so we'll break that down. We're going to talk in-depth about the Raiders and their lackluster season. I know we've done that quite a bit already, but now that we kind of have an, a better idea of what's going to happen with that, uh, we're going to talk about the... Oh, what else? I'm sure we're going to talk about your 49ers. We've got Justin Fields' conundrum to talk about and, and quite a bit more. So uh, we'll go right into it. And first, I just want to start with the Raiders game and just briefly touch on it because there's not much to talk about. Uh, they matched up against the Chiefs in Week 18. And unfortunately, I, I don't think anyone showed up from the team. I think they were already making their plans in Cabo. <laughs> And the Chiefs were doing ring around the rosy plays, uh, just kind of stomping all all over the Raiders' home field. So, um, looks like Raph's having issues with his audio. You, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're good. All right. So, I don't know if you had a chance to watch that game at all. I mean, it definitely wasn't a good game to watch, but it was nationally televised, so. Yeah, I, I saw some of it. Um yeah, I don't know. Like, I was expecting a little bit more from the Raiders after their performance against the 49ers, but... Yeah, I mean, I even went as far as to pick them and, and was hoping for it to happen just because we'd already talked about the Bills essentially lost their home, their home field advantage through the playoffs um, because of the game that got canceled. They had the tiebreaker with the Chiefs, so all... All paths should have led through Buffalo, assuming they could take care of business against one of the last two teams that they played. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. So now no one's going to get home field advantage if if it ends up being Bills and Chiefs in the finals. I think the same applies for Bengals and Chiefs, if I recall right, if if that were to be the matchup. Um, they're, they just announced today that the neutral site would be in uh, Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz, what do they call it, the Superdome or something like that? Uh, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, anyway, I thought the that Saints was play. New Orleans. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, you're right. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's in the Atlanta Stadium. I don't even know what it's called, honestly, but that's where it'll be, Atlanta, Georgia. That's kind of in the middle between the Bills and the Chiefs and probably a little bit closer to uh, Cincinnati than it is uh, Missouri. But if, if those are the matchups, I believe that will be the, the home field uh, or the neutral site for the AFC championship game. Um, speaking of the Bills, did you get to see that game at all? Um, just a little bit from like, you know, red zone and stuff. But Yeah. So first play of the game. Bills take the the field for the first time since uh, DeMar Hamlin had collapsed. And very first play of the game, Bills received the kickoff from the Patriots, and Naheem Himes takes it to the house. And it was almost like, it almost seemed like it was scripted because of that's how perfect it was. So he takes it to the house. He actually ended up taking two back for a touchdown. Uh, the 
Patriots put up a good fight. I mean, I wasn't expecting that out of them. Um, they effectively eliminated themselves from the playoffs by losing that game, but I think that was kind of expected. Uh, there's a lot of <clears throat> rumors with Mac Jones and, and where the Patriots are going to go from here, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. But I just, I mean, I was very proud of the effort that the Bills put out there. You could tell at first they were very high uh, coming into that game, going off a lot of emotions, and then it seemed like they kind of went into a lull in the second quarter, allowed the Patriots back in, and then I think coming out of the half, they, they got going again and, and didn't let up. So it's good to see them play a good game, a complete game against a good team. I mean, Patriots were a borderline playoff team, so pretty good effort there. Um, I know we were – well, I don't know if you were. I was hoping for the Bills to win and then the Jets to win and the Steelers to win to get to get Kyle's Steelers into the playoffs. Uh, they've been trending in the right direction the second half of the season where a lot of the teams that, like the Dolphins that ended up making it in, they've been, you know, really sputtering lately. And, yeah, I, I was really hoping for that. But Joe Flacco, he couldn't put up 10 points <laughs> against a third-string quarterback in, in the Dolphins. What did you, what did I you think you about he was all that? Also, a third-string quarterback. Well, like I said, technically, <laughs> he started the season as the starter. So, yeah, um, that I just unfortunately for Flacco, I don't his his career has fizzled when he was doing so good with the Ravens back then. So, well. He was well, there I mean, was, with the championship yeah. defense. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it helps when when he's he's still good. He was good then. You know, I mean, I guess that's the same argument that everybody has for Jimmy. But, uh, I mean, as far as the Steelers going, like, I mean, for Kyle's sake, I kind of wanted them to go. Um. But and for the Dolphins to go, it's almost pointless because Tua, even if he gets cleared, actually I don't think I don't think he's cleared for the game. No, he's out. So he's he, already been. Even out. if they win, and he's cleared for next week, he still wouldn't be a hundred percent. And like the Dolphins have almost no chance. Yeah. So it's pointless for them to make it to the playoffs because they had no chance. Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason I wanted the Steelers to make it is like I said. Dolphins have been trending down. Patriots have been trending down. Um, who else was in it? Uh, Jets had been trending down. Like there were so many teams that were just backing into the playoff race. Uh, the fact that the Raiders still had a chance at six and nine to to make it into the playoffs said a lot about that that last seed in the AFC. But of all those teams, the Steelers seemed like they had the most complete second half of the season. Uh, they had Pickens and Pickett playing very well. Defense was starting to get healthy. You saw Cam Hayward and uh, T.J. Watt, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. They were all playing at the top of their game right at the end of the season. So I, I thought if if there was going to be a decent matchup for the Bills, it was going to be the, the Steelers out of all the teams that were still in contention to make the playoffs. And, I mean, the opening line was 13 points in favor of the Bills over the Dolphins, and it's since moved to 14-point favorites. So <laughs> I 
I really don't see that being a game at all. Uh, even though the Dolphins have played the Bills really well this season, uh, I just don't think you can take a third-string quarterback into the playoffs and, and have much luck. Although in your case, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. yeah we'll see how, uh, what, I think, Skyler Thompson, I believe. Yep, Skyler Thompson. We'll, we'll see what he's made of, I guess. I mean, it, it's a lot to ask for him. You know, going straight for the Bills. That's well. Could have been. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think they're the fourth ranked scoring defense in the entire league right now. So, and I don't know if Micah Hyde's coming back this week or if he's coming back next week. But they're going to get Micah Hyde back after. I mean, just to pair him back with Jordan Poyer, those are probably the two best safeties in the entire league. I mean, if you're looking at tandems. Um, so that's going to be pretty hard for him to play against in his first playoff game. So I don't know. I, I really don't think it's going to be much of a game to watch. Obviously I'll be watching cause I'm, I'm really pulling for the bills probably out of the remaining teams, the hardest, just because Josh Allen is my boy from Wyoming, <laughs> the only group of five quarterback in the entire playoffs. So yeah, excited to see what he does. And and I really hope they take down the Chiefs because, yeah, I'm sick of Mahomes and especially after that ring of, ring around the rosy play, uh, that that got me pretty fired up. <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird to see, but well, I don't know if you saw um, Kelsey and I guess the Kelsey brothers, Travis and uh, Jason. They have their own podcast, and they talked about that play on their podcast, and Travis essentially said, yeah, it was kind of a, a middle finger play, and he was just laughing about them running it. So, yeah, I mean, that tells you what the Chiefs think, the Chiefs and Andy Reid think about the Raiders and, and what they can do to them, and quite honestly, I mean, they scored a touchdown on that play. It got called back for holding, and then they scored yeah. to the same guy on the very next play. So, it was almost like, let's see if you could stop it. We know you can't. So, And Raiders didn't do anything about it. So it's un- unfortunate, but I'm glad the season's over, quite honestly. <laughs> I- I've seen enough this year. I'm ready to see what they do with a, a revamped team next season. So um, anything else you wanted to talk about? I mean, we could go more into the Steelers win, but I feel like that's not appropriate with Kyle not here and really – it ended up being a meaningless game, although they did play very well against the Cleveland Browns. So, yeah, yeah, they they did do pretty good. With that. I mean, I guess it's always good to end on a positive note going into the off season. So, yeah, beating division rivals a great way to end the season. Wish the Raiders could have done that, um, but I did love that video you sent to me earlier about <laughs> Cam Hayward taking down the most wanted (laughs) that was beautiful catch Uh, a predator (laughs) yeah Uh, okay so um, outside of that I think the only other really meaningful game that happened was between the hapless Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans Texans had been at the front of that number one draft slot all season Uh, they'd only won one game up until I think it was week 14 when they played the Titans and surprised them and then 
Lovey Smith as a parting gift to Cal McNair, who already told him he's not coming back next season. Don't know why he would let him coach in a game after telling him he's not coming back. Uh, but <laughs> Lovey Smith, they end up going down one at the end of the game, scoring a touchdown, and then he lines them up for to go for two. They get the two-point conversion and ended up beating the, the Indianapolis Colts, which slides them into the two spot and the Bears up into the number one spot. And I just thought that was absolutely brilliant by Lovey Smith. I was so happy when they got that two-point conversion because Cal McNair is, I don't know, he is not a good man, let's say that. And him losing that number one pick and having to see him walking around on the field just looking flabbergasted after that game was beautiful. You knew <laughs> that you knew the firing was going to be announced as soon as that two-point conversion happened. And I think within probably an hour, the news came through that he had been fired as the, as the head coach of the Texans. So what did you think about that play and, and his parting gift to the Texans organization? I mean, the... I'm kind of surprised that the players, you know, tried that hard a little bit because they, they had to have known that it could hurt them as a team in the future. But yeah, um, but a lot of the times the teams are looking to get rid of you anyway. I mean, if you're part of a that losing team, there's going to be wholesale changes. So there's a good chance you won't be back. So okay. most likely I you're playing for your job. Then, so. so. I guess it's an audition for the next team, I suppose. Yep. But, uh, but I mean, it's but it, I mean, it, it's the Texans. It's like even before all that stuff with Watson came to light, you know, they were mishandling him because, like, I believe he wanted to kind of be like in the loop on the coaching decision, and they were just ignoring him. And then you know, Hopkins and they're just letting all their talent go and stuff and or alienating them and so they're they've got a long road ahead of them if uh they don't get somebody else making decisions yeah that was uh i don't know man that was a team that i thought was set up for success for quite a few years to come i mean you drafted deshaun watson you had jj watt there you had arian foster you had andre johnson Hopkins, like you said, I mean, they had a ton of talent on both sides of the football. Um, didn't they draft Laramie Tunsil or did they trade for him? Uh, I can't I remember. Yeah, I don't remember that either. But either way, I mean, they they had a ton of talent. And I, I mean, it's crazy how they let it all go. And the back-to-back firing first head or first-year head coaches. And <clears throat> let's just be clear, I mean, I think – had the NFL and the Brian Flores stuff not come up, they wouldn't have hired Lovey Smith to begin with. They would have hired who they wanted, and that was uh, who was the quarterback they were trying to hire? Josh McCown. They were trying to hire Josh McCown as their head coach, and then the whole Brian Flores lawsuit came out, and they got scared and ended up just hiring Lovey Smith on a, I mean, he signed, I think it was a three year contract, four year contract, but they knew. From this, from the get-go, when they signed that contract, they weren't going to retain him unless he did something crazy. So, I don't know. And then Cal McNair had the the gusto to get on a radio program and say, "Well, I guess we can't go one and done on our next coach." And thought it was funny, but you know, 
Whatever. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, those two guys are getting paid for the full length of their contract, but I don't feel like they were given fair shakes, especially one year to turn around a, an entire program is not realistic, especially when you have one of the worst rosters in the league. Um, and I will say, I mean, Josh McDaniels took over a pretty good roster. He has three all pros on his team and only won six games. So I know, I don't know. I won't go into Josh McDaniels cause I am beyond frustrated <laughs> with him, but, um, I just loved what Lovey Smith did. And then it, like I said, I alluded to this in the intro. The Texans winning this game slid the Bears into the number one draft pick, um, which gives them a, a unique opportunity where they feel like they, well, I don't know how they feel internally, but I think outside looking in, I feel like they have their quarterback of the, of the future already in Justin Fields. So you've got that number one draft pick overall. Um, do you feel like this is a move for them to move down in the draft and get a bunch of draft picks? Do you think they take someone, or do you think I've been yeah, hearing I mean, a lot of rumors that maybe they trade Fields and, and draft Bryce Young? What do you, what do you think the Bears do? Well, oh, um, <laughs> sorry, your food's ready. Yes, it is. Uh, um, like Justin feels like he has shown a lot of promise. I don't know what benefit there is from all those rumors going around that they could possibly trade him. Um, I feel like they should kind of stick with him, get some continuity. Um, I mean, for them, it, I feel like it would make the most sense to to trade that number one pick away and then you get a few extra picks and stuff. So I've heard so many different like potential scenarios. And the one that makes me the happiest is <laughs> the Colts trading up to get in front of the Texans at the number two spot and taking Bryce young, which, <laughs> <laughs> and then, the Texans having to see Bryce Young twice a year for the next however many years. Um, <laughs> I like that one a lot, but no, I think you're right. I, I really feel like Justin Fields is, I mean, is there a more like upbeat three and 14 team that you can remember than the Chicago bears? I mean, they got rid of Roquan Smith cause they weren't going to be able to, to reach a, a long-term deal with him. Obviously, the Ravens did. They gave him 20-plus million a year as a linebacker, which is crazy. But he was a huge difference maker on that team, so I guess it worked for them. But the Bears are slated to have over $100 million in salary cap space that they can spend on free agents. I They have the number one pick overall, plus I think they have eight other picks in addition to that number one overall pick. Uh, you have, like I said, I, I feel like the quarterback of the future and you have some pretty decent weapons on offense. I mean, I know I don't think they have a true number one receiver, but I feel like they have a couple twos out there in uh, St. Brown, and then they have what's – or not St. Brown. Um, I'm trying to think. Moody and who's the other mm -hmm. one? Maybe it is St. Brown because there – aren't there two St. Brown brothers? Um, I thought one of them was on the Packers. 
Oh, maybe. Anyway, I know they don't have, you know, a ton of talent, but when you have Justin Fields, I mean, you saw how well he played in the second half of the season. He kept them in almost every game. He was making electric plays all season. I had him in fantasy, and he was scoring like, you know, 30, 40 points a game for the last six weeks, eight weeks of the season. Uh, I know he missed that last week with, I think it was more of a precaution than anything. I think if they were in the playoff hunt or something like that, he'd be playing, but... Uh, going into the next season, they wanted him to be as healthy as possible. And quite honestly, I mean, if the Bears are looking to move on from Justin Fields, I would love, love to see him in silver and black. Um, I don't know how much sense that would make for the Raiders because you got to keep Devontae Adams happy. And Fields is, he's obviously a great quarterback overall, but he's not the best passer. And I feel like to keep Devontae Adams happy and, and in Las Vegas, you're probably going to have to give him at least a decent quarterback that's going to allow him to put up points. So, what do you think about that? Maybe the Raiders trade some um, first overall pick or their first pick for Justin Fields? I don't know. I, I just, it doesn't make sense for the Bears to start over with a new quarterback again. And like there just hasn't been that much success for, you know, for rookie quarterbacks, their first year. So yeah, I, I don't know. Unless they want to win, like you know, two years from now, then. Well, to be fair, I don't think the Raiders have any wiggle room in terms of Josh McDaniels. I think he's kind of backed himself into a corner now by moving on from Carr. So that's why I thought. If you get Justin Fields, I feel like he is at least, I don't know, probably top 15 quarterback based on what he can do with running the football and throwing the football. Uh, You put him in a competent offense, maybe he can be higher than that. Um, But with them moving on from Carr, they're going to have to make a move that immediately puts them in the playoffs or Mark Davis is not going to have patience for them. Dave Ziegler can save his job by moving on from McDaniels, I think. But I mean, at this point, if they don't, if they're not better than six and eleven next year, I, I feel like McDaniels is probably fired. So, if if Fields helps them move the needle, I think they're going to make a move like that. I still think Tom Brady's, you know, number one option, and I'll, I'll talk more about I think what their second option is, uh, but. Justin Fields would be pretty all right. But I think the only reason Bears would look to move on from him is if they feel like resetting that rookie sal- or rookie contract on their quarterback because Fields is already two years in now. Uh, so in essentially two more years, he's going to get paid. And that tends to be when teams get less competitive when they're spending, you know, 40, 50 million of their 215 salary cap. Uh, just on one position in the quarterback. So it works if you have a an ascended talent like, you know, Josh Allen, um, Patrick Mahomes. If you have one of those guys, you can, you can deal with lesser talent on the rest of the roster. But if you have a mid-tier guy like uh, Derek Carr, if you're paying him $40 million a year, your team's not going to be filled out the way it needs to be. Um, speaking of Derek Carr, he did post his uh, goodbye to Raider Nation, essentially. 
Um, did you get to read that? I I read some of it. Yeah, it's um, pretty lengthy. Um, essentially, just said he's sorry he didn't get it done in in Oakland and Vegas. He he played with every ounce of his being, uh, and when he said that he was going to be a Raider or retire, he didn't see it ending this way. And he still has a passion of chasing a championship, so uh, he's going to have to do that with another team. Uh, there's the beat writers for the Raiders have already said that he will not extend the uh, date for his for the decision that they have to make on him. So they will either trade him or they will cut him by February fifteenth. Uh, the only concern for me would be if they reach a deal with the team it can't be finalized until march 15th which is the beginning of the new year for the league um so if they make a deal and then the team backs out well then the raiders are stuck with Derek carr and eating that salary cap hit so i i feel like at some point they're gonna have to push that deadline back like say okay um you have to move it to March 16th. Um, all Everything's been agreed upon, but just in case the deal falls through somehow, we have an extra day to work with before the, you know, the contract becomes guaranteed. So um, I really expect it to come down to the Raiders probably just cutting him, which is unfortunate because I feel like he's going to use that power of the no trade clause to just keep saying no to every deal. Uh, just because if, if he decides he wants to go to a team and they have to trade for him, they're losing assets they, that they could be using to build up that team. Uh, the only downside to him getting cut, I think is he's not going to get a contract that's as lucrative in free agency as he would the one that he already agreed to with the Raiders. So, I don't know. I obviously I've talked about it many times. I appreciate everything that Derek Carr did for the team, but I feel like it's also time to move on. Um, he essentially stabilized the quarterback position that hadn't been stabilized since Gannon left back in like 2004, I think was his last season with us. So between 2004 and 2014, uh, we essentially had a revolving door of quarterbacks, both veterans and, and rookies that played significant playing time for us and it was a nightmare so having Derek Carr come into our onto our team I was thrilled when they got him in the second round I was so fired up played really well well I mean he played decent in his rookie year played a lot better in his sophomore year and then 2016 I think that was pinnacle of of Derek Carr's career Uh, dude looked confident as could be he was just ripping the ball in there every every throw uh, stepping up in the pocket, using his legs, get out and evade the rush. And then obviously that tragic leg injury happened the week before the playoff game in 2016. So essentially be- making the playoffs at 12 and four, we were already eliminated by, by that injury. Um, and it was brutal. I mean, I think I can't remember who we played. I think it was the Texans. And I mean, I think if we would have scored 13 points, we would have beat them, but <laughs> we couldn't do that. So it was a, it was a rough game. And like I said, I, I really do appreciate Derek Carr for, for all he did for the Raiders. I just feel like at this point, nine seasons in, we've seen what he can be for us and it, it's time to see what else is out there. So 
And if he doesn't, if the next whoever it is doesn't perform, we we won't have Josh McDaniels behind the behind the helm there. So that <laughs> that would be all right too. So yeah, um, I, mean, I did see that billboard that somebody paid for. What what did it say? Oh, fire Josh McDaniels. <laughs> well, yeah, I've seen plenty of those, and obviously you saw the. Uh, fans getting kicked out of the stadium for having signs that said bench McDaniels or fire McDaniels inside of Allegiant Stadium. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't see that. Oh, well, I thought you had, yeah, it's, it's been bad. Um, Mark Davis is obviously sensitive to the decision that he made. And I think he's having buyer's remorse, but rather than, you know, mm-hmm. taking accountability for that, he's just kicking Raiders fans out of the stadium for having signs voicing their opinions. So, it's fine. The, the few that show up. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, he was also very pissed that there was like 75% 49ers fans and then Chiefs fans in back-to-back weeks. So, unfortunately, I mean, I feel like he signed a deal with the devil moving to Vegas because obviously his finances are going to be great with, with all the revenue that that stadium's bringing in. But with it being a destination city, I mean you're always going to have a hard time not having a good split between home and away uh, fans because a lot of the people that bought those uh, season tickets in Vegas are just Vegas residents. They're not, they have no allegiance to the Raiders. Uh, And that's one hard thing about moving a franchise rather than starting one up locally. Like with the Vegas Knights, I mean, those tickets are sold out they've got season tickets holders from vegas that love the team everyone in vegas well not everyone i'm sure but i think a good majority of hockey fans in vegas are vegas golden knight fans so that's the thing that the a's keep saying that they're going to move to vegas and it's like okay i mean you're going to sell a lot of tickets but every one of your games is going to be an away game and that's kind of what the the Raiders are going to see until they start winning consistently because no one's going to pay the prices that they're charging for those tickets that's just a strict fan of the team. I mean, you can't afford to. So that's where anyone that's buying those season ticket packages, they're going to a couple games, but they're selling the rest so they can actually afford the games that they get to go to. So I don't know, man. It's a weird situation. but I mean, he should have known because SoFi – Chargers and Rams, they're they're always like away games too. So, yep. And even mean, when the Rams were winning, it was still an away game. <laughs> if yeah. it was like you know, Forty ers showing up. So, and that's the other frustrating thing is if the league would have let the Raiders go to to L.A., they would have had local fans because yeah. I think a lot of the Rams fans that were LA Rams fans when they moved they just they didn't like that team anymore obviously when they move back they're going to get some of those those fans back but I think a lot of them were felt pretty spurned when they left Uh, and then same situation with the Raiders but the Raiders I mean all of Southern California it seems like is Raiders fans I mean you've got the LA market that every time they play in LA it's just packed full of Raiders fans San Diego back when they used to play in San Diego, the Chargers, those games were like 80% Raiders fans too. So that seemed like a slam dunk. I still feel like the Raiders are probably the second, if not the first most popular NFL team in the LA market, 
even though there's two teams there right now. I mean, the Chargers <laughs> don't have fans. Let's just be honest. Yeah, that's, I, that's why they left San Diego. I think, but. well, <laughs> even when, when they were in San Diego, they had a decent following. But, I mean, the Raiders fans from L.A. would all come down since it's a pretty quick drive and, and flood that stadium. But once you alienate the small pocket of fans in San Diego that you have and move up to L.A., I mean, it seems like all of their games are completely away games. But I don't know. It's interesting. Um, do you want me to just keep going into the Raiders just to finish up the their season review and then we can go into the playoffs? Yeah, um, but I will be right back. Give me like okay, 10 yeah, seconds. Yeah, you're good. I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk Raiders uh, while Raph is away for just a second. Um, so I've already talked about the car no trade clause. Obviously, I'm pretty uh, apprehensive about him being having that no trade clause. Um, I feel like at the end of the day, it's probably going to be end up the Raiders cut him just to save that cap space and not have the guaranteed contract which, again, I think it's going to hurt Carr in the free agent market. I don't think he's going to get the contract that he already agreed to with the Raiders. Um, but I think he's, with the, the hurt feelings from the Raiders, I feel like he's going to do whatever he can to not help them out uh, in getting that trade done. So uh, a couple questions I have for the Raiders is, do we move up in the draft? Currently, we have the number seven pick in, in the draft. Uh, if we're looking at quarterback and we can't swing a deal with Brady, if Jimmy G prizes himself out of our market or signs elsewhere, uh, obviously Jacoby Brissett would be like a stopgap at best. Maybe if they're planning on drafting a quarterback, then Brissett could start a couple games. Maybe I feel like he's not going to be the option, uh, but if they if they strike out on Tom Brady, I feel like the the second best option would be draft quarterback. Um, I think Bryce Young will be gone. I think Will Levis or C.J. Stroud, one of the two, may still be there at number seven when we pick. But in all likelihood, teams get quarterback desperate and and end up making trades and moving up. So. As it stands right now, I think C.J. Stroud or Will Levis could be available at seven, but that's obviously prior to trades. You've got the Colts. You've got the Texans picking before us. We've already talked about the the Bears and uh, Justin Fields. If they trade him, they're obviously going to go quarterback. Uh, So, I mean, that's three teams right there. So if you don't move up, I, I feel like the chances of getting one of the top three is pretty small. So... In terms of my options, I still think Brady would be number one. Uh, Number two option for me is Mac Jones. And I've already talked about this. I I wrote that in the article. I think it was probably five weeks ago at this point. But there's been quite a few rumblings from uh, coming out of New England that Mac Jones is not happy. And I don't know why he would be. Uh, But... The, the rumors were that he was complaining a lot and reaching out to people asking for help uh, rather than going to Bill Belichick, and that really pissed off Bill Belichick. So he's not happy with, with Mac Jones. Mac Jones is not happy there. They seemingly want Bailey Zappi. Um, they have him already on the roster, so maybe they make the move and, and switch over to Zappi. So I think 
Mac Jones would be my number two option. So Brady one, Mac Jones two, and then rookie quarterback would be my third. And I feel like, like I said, I, I think C.J. Stroud is my favorite from the top three. I do like Will Levis quite a bit, um, but I feel like Stroud gives you the, the additional option of legs as well. Um, so I don't know. I feel like to keep Devontae Adams happy, they're going to have to get a veteran quarterback. And I think he's going to be, you know, all in either way. But if you want to keep him happy and here for the length of that contract you just gave him, he's going to have to be putting up numbers because he wants to be remembered as one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game. And he's on that trajectory currently. But if he takes a a couple down years because you bring in a rookie quarterback, he's going to want out and he's going to want to be paired up with uh, Aaron Rodgers again or, you know, Tom Brady, whatever. At that point, Tom Brady will probably be long retired, but (laughs) we'll see. Um, So, yeah, I I still think that that's the the best option. Tom Brady, the reason I say he's my number one option is just because you don't have to give up draft capital to get him. Um, He always takes a below market value deal so you can build a team around him. He has that pull to bring in veteran free agents with him for below market deals because they want to play with the GOAT. Uh, So I feel like that would be the best immediate team building thing. Maybe you take uh, Hayden or Hendon Hooker in the second, third round. I know he's rehabbing an an ACL injury right now. Uh, So he's not going to be ready until probably next season, uh, next season during training camp or I guess not next season, the following season during training camp. Uh, but that's the thing. You can get him in here, in there and start to learn from one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. Or, I mean, maybe you're still looking at Jarrett Stidham as a, a long-term solution. I think at worst he should be our backup. Uh, so maybe give him a, a decent-sized deal to keep him there as a backup in case whoever option one is gets hurt. Um no changes are expected with coordinators, uh, which kind of surprised me. I thought McDaniels would use uh, Patrick Graham as a scapegoat, and I feel like Carr probably was the only scapegoat he needed, so maybe he's holding on to Patrick Graham until next season in case things don't <laughs> start looking good at, at the beginning. Um, but Patrick Graham, I don't think it's fair to evaluate him off of this season alone. I mean, if you look at what he had on the defensive side of the football Uh, The only proven commodity he had really was uh, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Obviously, Chandler Jones did not show up until about two-thirds of the way through the season, so Max Crosby was really their only impact defensive player. You could argue maybe a Denzel Perryman. I mean, he's an established linebacker. He played really well for us last year, played really well for us this year, but he was also hurt quite a bit. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like... Patrick Graham, he's a really smart dude, uh, but unfortunately for him, he's put three three bad years on tape and, and only one and a half good ones. So um, I think if he – if obviously they're going to have to revamp the defense and, and build around his scheme. So you're going to see wholesale changes on the defensive side of the football. But like I said, I think if he doesn't show some progress through halfway through the season, he'll he'll probably be gone. Um, what else do I have? I, I guess I mentioned Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and J- Daniel Carlson were named to 
uh, first team all pro. So that's good for all, all of them. I think that's well deserved by all of them, especially Carlson. He didn't get voted into the pro bowl, but he made the all pro team. So that tells you what he is as a kicker. But the surprising thing for me was Max Crosby didn't make the first or second team as the edge rusher. Uh, even though, I mean, I think most categories he was first or second as a defensive end, uh, trailing behind your guy Nick Bosa so um, that was a little disappointing for me but outside of that I I think that's all I really had to talk about Um, I already mentioned that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler they already used the quarterback scapegoat so I think the pressure is really going to be ratcheted up and quite honestly if you look at the schedule that that we already know we're going to play next year there aren't very many layup games on that schedule. I mean, obviously we're going off what the teams are this year and, and plenty of teams fall fall back and some get better. But if you're looking at the the opponents they have on their schedule for next year, I'm, I'm seeing it really hard for them to improve upon the record that they put up this year unless they make wholesale changes. So it's going to be some, some tough sledding for sure for, for McDaniels and Ziegler, but... I'll give Ziegler the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he didn't have a first or second round pick last year because of the Adams trade. So we'll see what he can do with full full draft class and uh, hopefully it makes the team a lot better. So um, did want to mention um, the Panthers, but because Logue was supposed to be on tonight, uh, didn't work out with him. But I just want to get your thoughts on the Panthers real quick based on the questions I had for him. I, I know you probably don't follow them super close, but they are in your conference, so maybe you have a couple knowledge nuggets um, for me. Well, they're they're in the South. I said conference, not division. Oh, conference. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> um, who I feel like they were reaching – it's hard to keep track of all the interview requests yeah, that all the teams are making because it seems like some of them are requesting everybody. Yep. Um, so far, the Panthers, I believe, have only reached out to Harbaugh, and then they are going to interview Wilkes, which is their interim head coach. He went 6-6 six and six after the team had started. Like I think they were one in – let's see, that's 12 games – one and four yeah i think they were one and four to start they made the switch to wilkes and he took them to to a six and six record as as the interim head coach so pretty impressive uh the question i had for Logue, which obviously the season didn't end up how they wanted it to but uh do they learn from the raiders mistake from last year of moving on from rich Passaccia when the entire locker room was behind him uh steve wilkes has Every single player that they've interviewed at the at the end of the season said, I, I really hope they bring him back because you could see the culture shift and all that when, when he took over. Do you think the Panthers learn from his from the Raiders' mistake, or do you think they try to take a, a big swing and get a Jim Harbaugh? Or, uh, I doubt they would. I think Sean Payton, I don't think the Saints would want to want him to go into the same division as them. So I don't, I think that's probably a long shot, but yeah, I mean, I think the Saints did say they were bringing back their current coach. So yeah, they did. They did say, Um, uh, 
Dennis Allen would be back, so he's not an option, or I guess Peyton's not an option for the Saints, but do you think oh, yeah, the Saints would he, deal he him too? too much inside info, I, I would yeah. say. <laughs> That's what, kind of what I was thinking. I, I don't think there's any way the Panthers can get uh, Sean Payton just because I don't feel like the Saints would want him to go there. So um, I think their only real, you know, big attention grabber type head coach would be Harbaugh. Um, yeah, there was that. And then I guess I just looked a little bit and Jared Mayo, I guess, is another oh, Mayo. candidate. Or Gerard yeah, Mayo. But- yeah. <clears throat> Patriots just gave him a new deal to bring him back as their defensive coordinator, making him the highest paid (laughs) assistant. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I mean, obviously if he gets a head coaching offer, that's going to pay better than even top dollar assistant head coach. Um, So I think he still may be in their plans, but it feels to me like they have to go Steve Wilkes. I mean, even if it's, you know, Typically, you give new head coaches four-year deals, even if they only give him a two-year kind of prove-it contract where essentially they have an out if it doesn't work out. I, I still wish the Raiders would have gone that route with Visaccia and said, okay, we, we'd love to have you back, uh, but seeing as this is your first time as a head coach and you're you know 60-something years old, let, let's do a shorter-term deal and, and see how it works out, and then we'll talk contract extensions later on because i feel like the season that they had this year if if it was the same thing with rich they could easily move on and say okay well he's not the long-term answer now let's look at what we got i I feel like that's a much better approach than pissing off your entire player base that you bring back that wanted the interim guy and then you bring in some guy like and let's just be honest jim harbaugh you, you have experience with him He's, I don't think every player likes that guy and, and how he approaches the game of football and, and life. So, Yeah, he, he definitely rubs some guys the wrong way. He's a little intense. <laughs> yeah. To, to put it nicely, I guess. Yeah, it, it um, seems like he wears out his welcome pretty quick in, in a lot of places. I mean, obviously, he's been at Michigan a while, and he was with the 49ers a while, but towards the end i think everyone's just ready to move on from him so i don't know it's weird but yeah i mean i, I guess with college though the, the players are always leaving so yeah yeah <laughs> they gonna... don't have to deal with him too long unless they're you know a stetson bennett or something <laughs> yeah old man stetson bennett <laughs> um and then for as far as the Panthers and their quarterback situation, um, I don't I mean, right? Dar- Darnold was, when well, once he got back in there, right? He was doing all right. Yeah. Um, and then as far as like them maybe going for Carr, I mean, I wonder if Carr is going to try and like, force his hand to maybe get to more of a competitive team. But then I guess every team in the South is competitive. So, yeah. And that's, um, that's the thing is if Brady leaves the South, he would immediately be the best quarterback in the, in the NFC South. It leads itself to obviously warmer temperatures where he's not playing in the snow. 
even if he goes deep into the playoffs. I mean, look at the playoff teams right now. You've got San Francisco. you got Minnesota, but they play in a dome. Um, Lions play in a dome. Like, a lot of the NFC that's competitive right now, other than, like, the Eagles. I'm trying to think who else plays outside, but... It just seems to me like the NFC South is the ideal landing spot for Carr because he would immediately be the best quarterback in that division. Um, Warm weather. And I feel like the Panthers are probably the most complete team, um, especially with the the youth that they have. Uh, You see the Bucs, they're getting up there in age because they kept bringing all the old guys back, trying to run it back with the championship team. Um, I don't know. I feel like Panthers are a pretty ideal landing spot, but I also do like what Sam Darnold did in the last, what did he play, six games that were pretty impressive towards the end of the season? I don't I don't think it was six games, but... Oh, it seemed like it was a decent chunk. Maybe not quite that much, but... But, yeah, um, I mean, he, he definitely was showing more promise than, than he was in New York, so... Yeah, so um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what kind of contract they have for him. Um, I guess would he still be under the rookie thing? Sam Darnold. Yeah. No, I think his. I think he's a free agent. So whatever they do, it would be net new. And I don't think you're paying, you know, top dollar for a guy like him that's bounced bounced around, never really been the the guy. I, I would guess you're looking at probably $20 million or less a year, probably less, for for a Sam Darnold um, um. car. I mean, if they trade for him, he's got $33 million guaranteed next season, and then I think it's 40 and 42 the following on, on the last three years of his deal. So if you're looking for the budget route and you want to take a chance at quarterback, I don't know. It just seems like that destination, really, I think any team in the, in the NFC South makes a lot of sense for Carr. Um, Atlanta, they have a pretty decent roster. Carolina has a really good defense. And I, and I did read something about Atlanta's, I guess, Mariota kind of just quit on them or something. I think yeah, I once they benched him. Um, yeah. He was playing through an injury, supposedly, and once they benched him, he was like, all right, well, I'm going to get this taken care of so I can be ready for my next opportunity, essentially, and peaced out. So um, I guess they have to determine if they think Desmond Ritter's the the quarterback of the future. I know they only spent like a third-round draft pick on him, so it's not like it's a huge expense if you end up keeping him as a backup, but... If you're not set on him, I feel like Arthur Smith is a great coach, especially on the offensive side of the football. So if if he thinks he can plug in a veteran like Carr and, and win immediately, especially since he's going into his third year and, and hasn't really had a ton of success, I mean, that could be his last chance, yeah, essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, Falcons do have the second most cap space, and then Panthers don't really have any cap space so well yeah but cap space isn't really real i mean you know you can just move (laughs) contracts around extend people to to move money future into the future pay and their owner is super rich so he can do that whole 
cap or cash over cap. We're handing out giant signing bonuses, so it doesn't count against the salary cap. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I I feel like like I said, if Brady leaves the Bucks, that's a good team for Carr. If um, the Saints, I mean, Saints have Andy Dalton and uh, Jameis Winston. Carr's better than both those guys. So I feel like any team in the NFC South would be happy to have him. It's just going to matter on which one ponies up. And that's the thing. People don't think Carr's going to have a market because of how he played this year. But I think a lot of the teams are going to say, well, I mean, first year with, with the new head coach, new offensive system, it's expected, especially with the competition that was in that, that conference and that division. Um and there's always coaches that think they can fix anything. So, you know, yeah, I mean, and, we'll see. And Carr, for the most part, he, he puts up good numbers every year. So. I wish he threw more touchdowns for the Raiders. <laughs> Seems like he could never throw more than two, two in a game. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, he puts up a lot of yards. Um, doesn't throw a ton of picks except this season. Uh, and yeah. He's not going to score a ton of touchdowns, but he'll keep you competitive in games. So, um, okay. With that being said, anything else you want to touch on before we get to our playoff predictions? Um, no, that's that's kind of it for me. Yeah. Oh, so, do you know when they announce the, like the defensive players of the year and all that jazz? I want to say it's the week before the Super Bowl. Okay. But, I don't remember for sure. AP just announced they're all pro team, so maybe it's coming up sooner than we think. But I'll have to look. I tried yeah. looking for it the other day, but I couldn't find it. Let's just look it. at 2022 Defensive Player of the Year. Or would it 2021 be considered last year? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. It always gets confusing because they carry over. I'm trying to see when they made that announcement. Um, so last year they made the announcement on February 10th for TJ Watt. So that's the week after the Super Bowl. Um, no, the Super Bowl is the 12th this year. Okay. So, so, um, I imagine right before the Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe somewhere in before. there. Okay. I don't know. It seems like they always have a way to keep themselves in the news, so I'm sure it's just going to be a constant. <laughs> and I'm excited to see that new Pro Bowl set up where they're doing the skills challenge and, and all that. That's something Kyle and I talked about, like, clear back when we first started this podcast. We were like, no one watches the Pro Bowl. It's garbage. We should just do a skills competition for, like, all the guys that get voted into it. And two years later, three years later, whatever it is, we spoke it into existence, so we'll pat ourselves on the back for that one. And I, I think they're doing flag football, right? Yeah, I've heard they're doing, yeah, I think it was seven-on-seven seven flag football. They're doing all kinds of skill competitions, and then I can't remember what else. But it's going to be a nice little festival of fun, I think. And I don't know, they're doing it in Vegas, I think? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Vegas. Yeah, time. so that should Again. be cool. Maybe I'll make my way down. It's not that far from where I live, so... All right, I mean, I so, used to watch the Pro Bowl back when I it was don't. like after the Super Bowl. <laughs> nah. Back in the day. I did. 
Well, yeah, back in the day when they actually tried. Like, yeah. Max Crosby got the MVP for the Pro Bowl last year just because he was the only one on the dang field trying. So it's like if anyone just even gives it a slight effort, you're going you're gonna to win MVP. But all right, okay. so we'll go into our predictions. I do want to preface just saying that we already have our picks in for the entire playoffs, but we're just going to do it week by week. Um, so obviously if we pick – right this week then all of our picks for next week will already be locked in but if we mess up here and there we may have to adjust our (laughs) our picks for the following weeks but we do have them locked in so if anyone gets a perfect bracket we'll we'll definitely let you know and we'll post them at the end so you guys can see what we picked versus what it actually ended up but you want to go into yours first raf yeah um i'll start with the afc um Jags versus Chargers. I, I picked the Jags just because they've been trending upwards and the Chargers have been falling apart. And then I think but Mike Williams is out. I believe that's his name. Yep. Um, and then I got Bengals over the Ravens because um, pretty sure Lamar Jackson's out as well. Yeah. And I don't even know if Huntley's going to play. I mean, he's been missing practice too so they might be going a third string quarterback (laughs) as well um and then bills over dolphins because the dolphins have been falling apart and he was also not playing so those are i mean i I guess the only toss-up game would be the jags and chargers i feel i think i want to say the jags were one point under underdogs yeah, well, I guess some people call it like what, like the hair battle or something. <laughs> the hair battle between Herbert and Florence. Yeah, because they both have long hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, then to the NFC, Bucks and Cowboys. I'm going with the Bucks, even though they haven't, you know, been putting up that great in numbers. Um, Cowboys already seem like they're in mid playoff form, so. Um, mid play hop form for them is uh, sitting on their couches. So, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have big beginning playoff forms where <laughs> they're gonna they just haven't been that impressive at the end of the season. Yeah. Um. So, you know, the Vikings. I'm picking them over the Giants. I probably shouldn't, but I'm I'm hoping that Cousins, you know, comes through on, you know, important game. And they they do make a lot of comeback games this year, yeah. so um, I imagine it'll probably be the same where they have to well fourth quarter rally for them. Um, and then Forty ers over the Seahawks. For, Was this for one tough for you, month. or do, do you uh, feel like it's a pretty easy pick? Um, it, it it's a pretty easy pick, even though the Seahawks have a lot of good players or yeah. like you know like they they really came together this year surprisingly and with everything they've gone through so but i i just they don't have enough to it was to it was honestly tough for me to pick that game i know it doesn't look like it on paper but you guys have already beat them twice this year right yeah yeah i mean i guess and... there's always that you know we can't beat them three times yeah, those games are always a lot. a lot 
closer than well i guess not always i mean chiefs i i think they could play a six six times a year and they'd still kick our ass six times but <laughs> well, we'll see that was that was one of the tough ones for me um I'll, I'll read Kyle's real quick since he's not here, but he did put his picks in. So in the AFC, he's got Buffalo, <clears throat> Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Jacksonville. I think we all had those three. Yeah, we did. Uh, and then on the NFC side, he took the Niners, the Giants, and the Cowboys. Um, wish he was here to explain why. Um, <laughs> I, I think a lot of the same reasons we did, but... So like I alluded to, for my picks, I, I also went Bills, uh, Bengals, and Jaguars. The Jaguars one was a tough one for me. Uh, the The last little kicker there was Staley seems to have no situational awareness at all, and having Mike Williams in that game against the Broncos past the first quarter made no sense to me. I mean, I, I understand you don't want your guys to get rusty but that game meant nothing they were already locked into the number five seed they had nothing to play for and he had his starters out there well into the third quarter uh, mike williams gets hurt ends up fracturing his back so he's out for this game for sure they said possibly could make come back in the playoffs but i don't think they'll make it that far anyway i have jags beating them because of that and then i do have uh, staley getting fired after this game I really think this is where Sean Payton ends up. I think this is what he's waiting for, is this this position to open. And I think the Chargers would be really dumb if they decided to keep Staley and, and missed out on the opportunity to bring in Sean Payton because his mind bundled with uh, Justin Herbert. I feel like that could be another one of the Mahomes and Andy Reid type pairings. So... I've got Jags in this one, but it's going to be a close game. I think they probably win by a field goal. Um, and then on the NFC side, I also went with your 49ers, but I think that's going to be another field goal game, real close right until the end, uh, and you guys end up pulling away. And then for the Vikings and Giants game, I went with the Giants. Like you alluded to, Minnesota's probably one of the worst 12 13 win teams i've ever seen in in the <laughs> nfl i mean they they are did everything i mean for to get their 12th win they had are at the point when they got their 12th win they had a negative five point differential which is absurd winning 12 games and having negative point differential so <laughs> uh, they ended up having to come back from 33 points down or something like that against the hapless indianapolis colts at home so the fact that they were able to do that is impressive but you should never be down 30 points or whatever it was. I think it was 33, yeah, especially to a team that was awful. Um, so I, I think the Giants with Brian Dable, they have an experienced staff. Uh, Daniel Jones is looking very confident. Saquon Barkley's back healthy. Justin Jefferson, or I, I think as long as you can limit Justin Jefferson, which not many teams have been able to do, I feel like they're probably going to win this game. And I, I would even say by maybe a touchdown. So I like the Giants in this one. And they would be one of those sleeper teams that I feel like they could get on a run and, and go. And maybe not as far as Kyle has them going. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them win a couple games in the playoffs. Um, and then I yeah, have I mean, the... Go they ahead. would just... You know, because they are the number six seed, they, 
they're going to well i guess if the seahawks win then seahawks would go to philly but yeah um you know like if, if they do make it past the vikings which they probably will um they're going to philly which i don't yeah. think they can get past them but well my reasoning behind saying they they could go on a run is just because i feel like Hurts is, has been hurt for the Phillies or for the Eagles. Phillies, thinking baseball. <laughs> for the Eagles, uh, he's been banged up. They also had Lane Johnson go out. Uh, he he was on. I can't remember what podcast he was on today, but he said he's going to play in that game. Um, but I mean, they've had so many injuries right at the end of the season, which is when you don't want them. I mean, you never want them, but. You want to be as healthy as you can be going into the playoffs. Obviously, they have this bye week to get rested up a little bit more, but that would scare me. Uh, a team, a young team like the Giants, getting some confidence in that first round, beating you know an established number three seed, uh, and then coming into Philadelphia, feeling good about themselves with the healthiest they've been all year. So, I don't know. I I like the Giants. Like I said, I don't know if i have them going quite to the super bowl but it wouldn't surprise me if they if they ripped off two in a row and then yeah i've got the the bucks in that dallas and tampa bay game uh bucks are getting healthy right at the end uh they're getting starting to play pretty good football on both sides uh brady's starting to look like himself and it seems like hopefully not but maybe another one of those <laughs> unpredictable runs where you know he gets hot at the right time, but we'll see. I'm definitely interested because if they if they lose this game, well, then maybe we have our quarterback of the future lined up right now. But if not, I mean, I mean, obviously we can't sign him till beginning of the new year anyway. But it, it'll be interesting. This one was another tough one for me to pick, just because Dallas has that good defense. CD Lamb's playing really well right now, but Dak has looked like hot garbage in his last five games. Uh, they've been going away from Tony Pollard and Zeke for some reason, even though that's the way that they won so many games. So I just feel like all the stars are aligning. <laughs> no pun yeah, intended. I mean, Dax, Dax definitely a liability for them right now. And then uh, who knows? I mean, maybe they'll be quarterback shopping too. <laughs> I don't think they can with that with that quarterback contract that he just signed, wow. but we'll see. It was it was giving too much money. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I was happy when the Raiders said, "No, no, we're done." <laughs> but anyway, um, anything else you had playoff wise or football wise before I have one couple? I guess two couple small notes. Um. No, I just uh, just be repping that red, huh? Yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. So I wish I was looking forward to tomorrow. I don't even remember who's playing tomorrow. What What are the games? Um, well, Forty ers and Seahawks at two thirty, and um, I, I believe it would be the the Jags and Chargers is the other game. Yeah, looks like I didn't. I didn't up. really look. I didn't look past that. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure it was them, but yours I'm, is I'm the worried most about important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it looks like Seahawks 49ers at 2:30, Jags Chargers at 
And then Sunday we've got Bills, Dolphins, Vikings, Giants, Bengals, Ravens. And then Monday night is the Bucks and Cowboys. So have a nice weekend full of football. Um, really excited to see. I think the two games tomorrow are going to be the most exciting out of all the games. So I'll be excited to watch those ones. So, um, And then just two quick notes I had. Uh, one on the Warriors is that they went into a dip. I mean, we've talked about it all season. They've been hovering around 500. They they ended up losing quite a bit, and then they just ripped off. I think it was five in a row. And, of course, the game Steph comes back, they lose <laughs> against a shorthanded Suns team. But it seems like a lot of the things are starting to go their way. Um, obviously, getting Steph back is a huge deal, but they also started to get some successful rotations while he was out. So you would think adding an MVP-type caliber player into a, an existing successful rotation would just elevate it um and i didn't see the end of the game because we started recording but at least through the first half they were looking good in their game tonight so and then a a huge positive note is clay thompson he's been shooting the hell out of the ball since i think around thanksgiving which he had been really struggling up to that point in this season uh they identified something in in his tape where they saw he was drifting on his shot and they they compared to what that to what he had been doing in previous seasons and i think they got it ironed out so he's been going off for like 30 40 50 points a game for the last seems like months so that's that's a good sight obviously he's still not up to his full playing days of, of the past on the defensive side of the basketball but if you have that sniper that can hit any shot from three i mean you you obviously want to have that on your team he's really good at at interior play as well so i'm just glad to see clay balling again uh obviously it's not leading to great results in terms of the the win-loss record but at least seeing him back to what he has looked like in the past is is at least a a positive sign for the rest of the season and then Baseball notes, I just wanted to mention that my A's, they signed all three of their arbitration-eligible players to deals before hitting arbitration, so that's a good thing for them. And then they made a free agent signing. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the guy's name right now, and I'm still going to brutalize it because I'm not Japanese, but they signed um, Shintaro Fujin. Fujinami, which is one of the top Japanese free agent players that's available. Uh, They signed to a one-year deal, and he'll immediately go into the starting rotation. So adding a a starting pitcher and bringing back Blackburn, we've got, I think we had like five guys last year that pitched significant innings. So you would think adding in one more arm is only going to be a good thing for this season. So Excited to see that. I, w- I wish they'd make more signings because I think their current salary cap is sitting at like, or their current salary hit is sitting at like $26 million, which is, <laughs> I don't know, $300 million less than the, the Mets are set to pay this season. So it's going to be tough to compete with that kind of payroll, but I guess yeah, we'll see they, what they do. They couldn't even afford a quarterback with that money. Nope, not even paying one starting quarterback contract. So, 
it'll be interesting, but I, I am excited to see what they do this season. Um, obviously, we'll talk more baseball as it gets a little bit closer, but they're going to be starting up spring training in about one month from today. So they announced just earlier today that pitchers and catchers report on February 15th. So we're getting ever so close to baseball season again, which is always what I'm counting down days for. So <laughs> we'll see what your Rockies do. See what my A's do. Having a yeah. feeling they'll be sitting in the same spot in the division standings come the end yeah, of the season. Well, but yeah, the Rays might be a little bit better off than than the Rockies, but they're it's a tough division though. Yeah, that that's the thing there. But you know, for they don't spend that much money either, and they they hold their own, which is always yeah. nice to see. But yeah, I think they may be in one of those downturns before they reload similar yeah, to the it, A's that's, that's what it seems like right now is I don't I don't they might squeak in like on a wild card but and I mean you, <laughs> both of your teams are in really rough divisions right now you get the NL West that between the yeah. Padres and the Dodgers <laughs> I mean they're spending out the ass and then in the or the AL East you got well, the Red Sox have kind of taken a step back. They've only signed Devers to an extension, and it seems like they let everyone else walk. But you got the Yankees, and even the Orioles are really starting to come up. They've got one of the best farm systems in the league, and then they really overaccomplished what everyone saw them as last year. So it'll be interesting to see how that division shakes out, especially with the Yankees bringing back Judge. So, Yeah, yep. Dodgers, Padres, Giants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then you know, Diamondbacks, but they're the Yeah, Diamondbacks, not great. And I think <laughs> the Giants are obviously taking steps back as well, especially after the Carlos Correa contract that wasn't. So we'll see. Well, I mean, they don't want him anyway. I, don't. I think they would have loved to have him the first six years. Like the, the Twins signed him to a six-year contract worth, I think it was $200 million with options that could take it out to like eight years. But obviously the team, both the Mets and the Giants, saw something on his physical that they thought long-term it wasn't going to be a good good deal. So Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, Astros, I don't like them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, for sure. I mean, no team got hurt more by the Astros doing what they did than the A's because the A's were at the top of their upswing. Bob Melvin was there as the, as the manager. It seemed like we had a team of destiny, but didn't know the other team knew what pitches were coming. So It's funny because the A's reported them like saying, something's up, we don't know what it is, something's up, because they know what's coming. And the A's had already, I think they filed two complaints during that season in, back in 2017 and and said, we don't know what they're doing, but something is going on. <laughs> so interesting that that all came out later. And, of course, A.J. Hinch apologized to Bob Melvin because that was the, the team that it most affected being in the division. And I think that was the team we had the worst record against. So... Always interesting. Can't wait to see what happens in baseball season. I hope, like last year, I was almost tuned out halfway through the season because of how bad we were. So I'm really hoping it's not that bad. But I feel like short of a a few more impact signings, we'll probably be in that same exact spot. So 
And then I guess one other thing I should mention with the A's, their Howard Terminal Stadium hit a snag. They were about $200 million away in funding. City of Oakland applied for some grants but didn't get them. So um, looks like that gap still exists. And John Fisher doesn't want to make up that gap. And he's already exploring. Or he, he announced that they were down to a final site in Las Vegas. Um, seems like it's unlikely that he would move the team just because he has ties to the Bay Area and, and that's where he wants to be. And I feel like Vegas has always just been a leverage thing to use against the city of Oakland. Uh, some are saying, well, no one's really in his inner circle, so no one really knows what he's thinking, but plenty of people in the Bay Area media are saying that he's probably getting towards the end of his ownership if they can't get Howard Terminal done, that he would look at selling. So praying for that. I hope Joe Lacob buys the team if, if they do sell so he can have the Warriors and the A's. And you saw what he did for the Warriors. I have no doubt that he would do the same thing for the A's so except maybe, hopefully not uh, moving them to San Francisco just say maybe uh the A's and the Rays both move to Montreal <laughs> don't don't wish that bad juju on me Ricky Bobby <laughs> uh okay well that's all I had anything you anything we missed that you wanted to talk about uh no just thinking about tomorrow yep all right so parting words for tomorrow <clears throat> go jags i'll let you say your part because you'll you'll never catch me saying it <laughs> go niners <laughs> there you go all right and and with that we do thank you for tuning in as always we appreciate your comments your feedback get that in and we will catch you on the next episode